All right. Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Hope this uh, podcast finds you and all of yours doing well, staying healthy. And Brother Ray, you're here with me. Hey, I love that shirt, your mustard seed faith from Matthew 17, 20. Hey, why don't you play us a song to get us started here today? Go ahead, take it away, brother. Thank you, Ray, for that song. And uh, before we get into the word of God today, let's bow our hearts for a word of prayer. And our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy great and holy name. And Father, we're all gathered together here in spirit to worship you, to 
to hear your word, to see what you have to say for us, your creation. And Father, right now in this time of, of trouble and the, the virus that's going around and, and the uncertainty of, of food and national situations, Father, we place our trust in you. Where else can we go? We place our hope and our trust in you that you will direct our steps, that you will take care of us as your children. And we totally are trusting and placing our hope in you. And we know that you, the righteous God, are aware of us each and every moment and that you will provide. And so, Father, open up our hearts to the word of God today that we might be challenged by it. May, may this word become real to us and become a portion of our habit of life. And we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Greetings and happy Lord's Day. I hope that this message today finds every one of you being blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ, that you're being safe and being protected by the blood of the Lamb and Today I want to talk to you a little bit about being a neighbor. You know, we left off, if you watched the video devotional on Friday, we've been talking in Genesis 18 about Abraham. And there we saw that Abraham is sitting in his tent at the opening of it, and he's meditating, and he's by the trees of Mamre, and we, we explained there what that means. It's in the, that you're rooted in the word of God and being blessed by it. Mamre is the fatness of the land. And how that he is just there. That is a picture. Abraham sitting there at his tent is a picture of a man with a satisfied mind. And you can rest in peace whenever you have the doctrine of the word of God. You know that God is in charge of everything. That whatever is going on, he knows exactly who you are, that you are his child, and that everything that is going on is a plan and a purpose for one thing or another in the will of God. And he is resting there as a satisfied mind. We saw that he, when he meditated and looked up, that there was these three strangers who came. And... It says that he got up and he went running after them. Now, who would have thought that one of those was the Lord Jesus Christ? When he went running after it, I want you to think about something. In chapter 17, you see back when they wrote this, there were no chapter breaks in the word of God. It was all one writing. So as, as man broke down the chapters in the best way that we can so that we can have street addresses and, and uh, numbers for that, you know, Genesis is like the street address, like Graveyard Road. And chapter 18, verse 1, is like the address of it, uh, 1312. So those are so that you can find the address of the scripture that you're looking for. Before that, it was just written as one story. And... If you're reading through there, Genesis chapter 17 ends with it saying that Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael and all the men of the house were circumcised with him that very same day. 
They did it as the Lord had directed them as a part of their covenant relationship with God. And then we get into Abraham in chapter 18, the very next verse, is sitting in the opening of his tent, meditating and looking up. Now, it says that when he saw those men, he went running to them. The thing that I don't know is, is how long takes place from the time that Abraham is circumcised until this takes place that the Lord appears to him again and he goes running after him. The thing that I want to say is that if it was within a week or two, Abraham had a reason to stay sitting there, didn't he? Because if he was still in pain from that and he's 99 years old, He's probably thinking, I got a pretty good excuse for sitting here, not getting up out of my opening of my tent and going to meet these people, much less running to go meet those strangers. But he went running after them, it says, because he saw this as an opportunity to be a neighbor unto someone, to be a witness unto them, because what Abraham is constantly doing as he is a witness there in the land of memory. We studied earlier on the Wednesday nights how that whenever Lot got taken hostage by the, the troops that came in from the north and the east, that Abraham had 318 trained men, but he also had some friends there, just a few of them, that went along with him. Those friends were ones that Abraham had witnessed to. And they saw the character of his life. And even though it was stupid for about 400 men to go after an army of a couple hundred thousand, they did it anyway because they were united in faith with Abraham and he had been a great witness to them about God. And their souls were saved because of his witness and so they would put their lives on the line to go with him to save Lot from this. Abraham is a man who witnessed to other people. And so when we get into chapter 18 now, he runs after them. He wants to show hospitality to them. I love Galatians 6 and verse 10. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, as you have the opportunity, do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. So in other words, all men are important. Men, women, children, they are important. And as you have opportunity, if you can, do good unto them. But especially, especially those that are of the household of faith that are like you. And those men risked their lives to go with Abraham because they were united with him in that and the witness. So here is a principle of godliness that I think that we need to understand, and especially in the time like this that we're in. We're in an unknown time. We're in uncharted waters here in the United States of America, not only with this coronavirus, but we are in uncharted waters with division, with argumentativeness, with everybody wanting to clash and, and come against each other, and everybody has an edge to them. We've never lived in a time like this. Now, more than ever, we need to, to be a neighbor unto someone. Jesus had said there in Matthew 22 that 
when they ask him, when that lawyer asked him, what is the greatest commandment? The scribes and the Pharisees was trying to set Jesus up and they came to him and they asked him, what is the greatest commandment of all? They thought they could trap him. And he said, well, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. But then he said, the second is like unto the first. In other words, it's this, it's just that close to it. That is the greatest but the other one goes hand in hand with it. You can't have one without the other. You cannot love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and being and hate your neighbor. He said the second is like unto the first, and that is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so here we see this hospitality of one who loves God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and being, and he ends up going and running after them. And uh, he, he's showing hospitality and gives them some food, and we talked about that. But I want to now divert over to what Jesus said in Matthew 25, because it's not only a godly characteristic of those who are in Christ and who love God to, to be a neighbor unto someone and to love them as yourself, but I want, to look, I want you to listen to what Jesus said just before he went to the cross. Matthew 25, if you're there with me. I, I would like for you to turn and to read this section of Scripture. We're going to begin in verse 31. And there in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, Jesus, with some of the last words that he gave to them that they needed to heed because they were lost, these people that he was speaking to, he left them with this and for us as his disciples to understand. Verse 31 of Matthew 25. Know this, that when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes back again for his kingdom, when he comes in his glory with all of his holy angels with him and all the nations are going to be together together before him, every being will be gathered together before the Son of Man when he comes in his glory. And he will say this, he will begin to separate everyone. We don't like that term. The folks of the world today does not like to think of separation. They want to think of inclusion. Oh, you have to include us no matter what. No, Jesus never had the doctrine of inclusion, my friends. If you fall into that trap of Satan then his lies like he did with the woman in the garden and changes little things and says, doesn't it sound good for you to include everyone? Well, we would love, Jesus says, to include everyone, but I've got the essence of God that we kind of talked about the other day. I have an essence that I cannot bear sin. And he says this, he says, he will separate them one from the other as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And then to those on the right hand, he's going to say something to them. He says, come, ye blessed, come in and inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry. Now listen, listen to what he says to those on the right that he says you get to inherit the kingdom that was promised here is why you were separated like a sheep instead of a goat and why you're on the right. He says, come ye blessed and inherit this 
because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous, they would have no idea. The righteous said, Lord, when did we see you any of these hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, in prison? When did we see you do that? And he said unto them this. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it unto the least of any of those people, you did it as unto me. As you did it to the least of my brethren, especially the household of faith, then you have done it as unto me. Those on the right he calls blessed, and he tells them, enter in and inherit. And the one of the defining characteristics of being able to enter in was to have shown hospitality, to have been a neighbor to someone, to love your brethren as yourself, to, as you have opportunity, do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of my brethren, you did it as unto me. Every person on this earth, every person, is born into the image and likeness of God. And when you've been born again, you've been born into Christ Jesus. You were baptized into Christ. And Peter said in Acts 2.38 that at that point you received the gift of of the Holy Spirit as well. And the Holy Spirit now indwells you. And He is your seal of the promise of God that He is coming back again, as He just said, in His glory to bring you back into that kingdom with Him. And He says, Everyone, you've done it unto me as you've done it unto my brethren because I am in them. Every person has the spark of God. When God forms man and He in the garden, and he breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, and man became neshama, a living soul. At, as we are formed, at conception, when that seed hits the egg, and we are conceived, it says that God himself begins to form us, and that God's breath is going to give us Neshama, the spark of life. And therefore, we are all gods. And that's why he says, when you've done it to them, you've done it as unto me, because we are all gods. I want you to understand that. Every person has been formed in the womb by the hand of God. I want you to listen to Psalm 139 and verse 16, 13 through 16. It says this, You formed my inward parts. You wove me from my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, O Lord, and my soul knows it very well. And my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Did you hear that? The psalmist says that the Lord formed my inward parts, wove me in my mother's womb. And we're going to continue this on... on uh, 
video number two because we got a lot more secrets of the Word of God to reveal. I'll catch you on the other side. Come on, follow me now. All right, video number two of this lesson today. Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16 is where we ended. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. You formed me and in my inward parts and wove who I was in my mother's womb. Oh, your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when it was secret inside the belly of my mother. Does that not tell you about the sanctity of life and how God fears it? Why shouldn't we? We should protect each and every one of those unborn children as the Lord God himself is forming their inward parts. That's one way that you are a neighbor, not only to someone else, but to your own child as well. And then I want you to listen to what Job is talking about in Job 31, verse 15. He said, Did not he who made me in the womb make them also? Did not the same one fashion all of us in the womb? No, not one of us that has not been fashioned in the womb by the hand of God. How important then are we, you and I, to God? Have you ever stopped and think how important we are to Him? He took the time and the care to weave us in the secret places and to bring us to who we are. He says in Psalm 22, verse 9-11, You, Lord, are He who took me out of the womb. It wasn't the doctor who delivered you. You were coming anyway. You were on the way and He just caught you as it's coming out. You are the one who took me from out of the womb. You made me, Lord, to trust You while I was on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me now when trouble is near, for there is none else to help me. I want you to know that it's the Lord God who brought you forth from the womb, who gave you that breath of life when you began to cry. That breath of God was sucked down into you. He said, you caused me to trust you. Guess what? Your very being, when you're such a tender infant, has to trust in God to bring you forward. He has entrusted you also to mother and father's care, but it is God who has fearfully and wonderfully made us and caused us and our bodies to grow and to become an adult through His works and His glory and His honor. We are cast upon Him from birth to trust Him until we are old enough to make up our mind for ourselves whether we are going to continue to trust God. Once we come to the knowledge of good and evil and that whether there could be a God or not and whether I'm going to trust Him, now we begin to, to take control of some of the things of our life that God wants us and desires us to trust in Him the rest of the way because it is not in man to, to direct his own steps. Man fumbles at himself. Man is lost until after he comes to that knowledge to accept God as his Savior. He says, Be not far from me now 
now that I am out and grown. Be not far from me now when trouble's around. And that's our prayer right now. That with all of this trouble that abounds not only in our society but with this virus, we pray, Lord, you have brought us to this far. We trust in you from our mother's breast. And we pray that you will take care of us now. Be not far from us for there is none else who can help. Listen to Isaiah chapter 44 beginning in verse 2. This is beautiful. Thus says the Lord who made you and who formed you from the womb and who will help you. You hear that? There's a promise. God says, I formed you, I brought you forth, and I will take care of you. I will help you. Yes, the Lord who made you will help you, the scripture said. So fear not. Fear not, my children, whom I have chosen, for I'll pour water on him who is thirsty. I want to ask you a question. Are you thirsty today? Are you hungry and thirsty for the Word of God? Are you thirsty for His presence to be with you? For His help and His constant care in a time of trouble to be there with you? Are you thirsty for that? Are you thirsty for His presence? Are you thirsty for His reassurance? Are you thirsty to see His face when you come into His kingdom? There's a crown laid up for those who love His appearing, you know. I can't wait for that. I will pour water on Him who is thirsty. I will give you to drink. I will nourish you. And water is representative of that Word of God again. I will give to those who thirst after Me and pour it into your spirit and your descendants. I hope you're thirsty. Thus saith the Lord God, the King, the head of the church, our bridegroom who is coming after us. Besides me there is no God, he says, so have no fear. Have I not told you this before, and do I not declare it to you now? Have no fear. I have done all of these things and wove you in the secret places, brought you in, formed you in the womb, brought you out of the room. I trusted you and raised you. Have no fear. I will help you. And I will be with you, and I will give to those who are thirsty the water. There is no other rock, he says. I know not one. He is the rock of our salvation. So, he says this, you know what? Also, my, to my servants, I have blotted out your sins. I have redeemed you and forgiven you when you have turned to me. And like the cloud covers the sun so have I covered your sins. Return to me, return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing to the Lord of the heavens. I can't wait till we all come back together again and we, we as the redeemed sing to him and we bring down the house and the roof that is here. So now, we talked last Sunday about our witness in a time of trouble like Paul and Silas when they were beaten and thrown into the prison, and God delivered them. But at midnight, they were singing praises, and that deliverance and that singing of praises and praying during the time of trouble, that was their witness to the Philippian jailer so that he and his household would be baptized into Christ. His first words to them when the earthquake came and he awoke and he ran in, he fell down at their knees and said, Men, what must I do to be saved? And they told him about Jesus Christ. 
and how to enter in. And it says that very hour he washed their stripes and he and his household were baptized into Christ and they rejoiced. That was one witness. One witness is in a time of our affliction and our pain when we still praise God and sing, pray, sing and pray. It has an effect on those who are watching. Here is our second witness. What Abraham was doing. What, what the Lord said to do in Matthew 22 to be a neighbor. Now, back to our text of Matthew 25. You thought we forgot, didn't you? So back to Matthew 25. Remember when the Son of Man comes into His glory? There is a crowd before His throne. He's separating the sheep from the goats. And He said to those that were on the right, remember... There were souls in need. There was those who were hungry, thirsty, naked, strangers. You took them in. You fed them. You clothed them. You visited them. You took care of them when they were sick. He said, those, you, you did it unto me as you did it unto them. And then he goes on in Matthew 25. Now, here's the scary part. You know, that's a good part. But here's the scary part for us. Down in verse 41. He, he starts talking to them and he says, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Man, that's tough. I don't want that. Lord, what caused me? Those on the left now, just as, as those who were the sheep and on the right were told why they were there. The left also deserved to be told why you have to depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And he said this, because I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. They are headed into everlasting fire and judgment with the devil and his angels. And they ask, oh, holy Lord, when did we see you that way? You say that you were this hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, prison. When did we see you that way? And he said to them, he answered, Assuredly, I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did not do it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it not unto me as well. When you rejected them, when you rejected doing good to all men, especially those of the household of faith, when you did not love your neighbor as yourself, you did it to them as unto me. I was there in the midst of that. And then he says, Therefore, these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto eternal life. Wow. You know, that's a definition that I don't hear some of the, the folks of this world who are trying to present a gospel of Christ. I don't hear any of this being taught. It's pretty much goody, goody, come on. He's going to bless you in this life and in the next. And, no, you're now a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you are His, whenever you are baptized into Christ, you are baptized into His death. You have died to self and you have rose up a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He says, now 
you have to change your life and you have to display the characteristics of God in your life to be a witness to those that are around about you. And that's what we see in Abraham back in chapter 18 where this whole thing started from again. And I know you think I forgot about that as well. And we went to a big circle. But Abraham, when he ran to meet those strangers as he was sitting there, he was setting a precedence for you and I today on how a follower of God who is filled with his word, who is filled with his love and his joy and his peace and his comfort and his blessings and his word and the Holy Spirit of God, if we are filled with these things, then how are we to react to situations? Last week was a reaction to the situation of being beaten and treated wrongly and still praising God. And that's a tough one. That's tough to do. I'm not saying this is easy. It's hard. Passages like this are hard on all of us to digest. We, if, if this was the buffet line, this would be like Brussels sprouts and, and some of that stuff and kale and, and the, the stuff that you say, ooh, I'm going for the biscuits and gravy. I'm going for the macaroni and cheese. I'm going for the filet mignon. No, no this is the down and dirty stuff that represents who you are in Christ. And on the buffet line, this stuff would be rejected. Most of those who are, are explaining the gospel today reject this teaching because it doesn't seem to be what people want to hear and doesn't bring souls into the building. But I want to tell you, I don't want to just bring souls into the building. I want to take souls and teach them the word of God that brings them that whenever he comes, when the Son of Man comes into his kingdom, he says, inherit the kingdom that was prepared from you before the foundation of the world. You get to inherit it because you understood what I, I desired that when I was hungry and I was thirsty, you clothed me, you gave me food, you visited me, you understood. I want people to know that. It doesn't do any good to say, I believe and walk on. You have to be a new creation in Christ. James said, don't be just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word also. So, when we recognize an opportunity, as you have opportunity, do good unto all men. Abraham saw the opportunity when the man passed by and he ran. Whether he was in pain or not, we don't know. But he ran to go meet the opportunity and to be hospitable to them. So I challenge you with this. Read Hebrews 13 because some folks have entertained angels unaware. Thank you.
joy.